0: Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson. Welcome again. Glad to have you with us. We are in a wonderful, wonderful study from a conference that Warren Litzman had years ago in South Africa. You know, Robbie and Warren Litzman made so many trips to South Africa. As a matter of fact, let's say hello to the fellowship down in South Africa that uh, have really enjoyed these wonderful conferences over the year and who are tuned in to our broadcasts today and every week. Now we're going into part three of this conference that Warren held called the Renewing the Mind. This is part three and it is powerful. So let's get right into it. Here's Warren.
1: Take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 28. Now, I don't think you heard me earlier. If you don't like what I'm saying, read the Bible. Uh, Acts 28 a good place to read. It will stimulate you and you could have your mind changed about a lot of things in Acts 28. We'll get to that shortly. So many of you have uh, come to me, not so many, but two or three have come to me and mm-hmm have wondered about the renewal of the mind. What do we mean by that exactly? Well, that's what our whole subject's going to be, but there's something that perhaps I could help you with a little here. We are strong believers in the Christ's life, that man is a tripartite being. That means that he's made of three parts. Her Thessalonians tells us this. You have a body, you have a soul, and you have a spirit. When you are born again, Your spirit joins with Christ, and you have a Christ spirit. If any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. That's all that takes place when you're born again. Nothing happens anywhere else in your being, just in spirit. So that leaves the soul and the body to come under subjection to that, because there is no miracle in regeneration for soul and body. It's very simple. When you are saved, the only part of you that is saved actually... Saved is spirit, your spirit. The part of you that will always be in the process of being saved is soul. Your body will not be saved until the resurrection morning when this corruptible puts on incorruption. These are the three tenses of salvation. When we look at the soul, we see that's where God's work is done after you're saved. The work of Christ in you is done at the cross. Spiritual growth, all spiritual life, has to do with the soul. The only part of you that grows spiritually is soul. Now the Apostle Paul, in his message, saw that the soul was a center of spiritual growth. Not life, but spiritual growth, understanding. And so the soul is the position of the mind. This means that once you are saved or born again, All your spiritual growth takes place here in soul. Christ never grows. He can't because he came as a seed. The seed is total and complete. When you are born again, you have all of Christ. There is no more to come from God the Father than came in the birthing process. Just like when you birth a child, you, you have one seed from the male that goes into the female egg and just one is all it takes. You can put a dozen more in, but it doesn't matter. The one seed is what takes, and so it is when you are born again. The one incorruptible seed is total. It's the complete new man. It's the complete life. So you have all of Christ you'll ever get right now. Well, we don't have cliches for that, actually. Most people come along and say, well, I'm trying to get more of the Lord. I want to get more of God. Well, you can't. There is no more because you are centering in the wrong part of your being. Spirit is complete. You're already saved there. The place where you get more is in your understanding. You can't get more of God, but you can learn more of God. You can you can produce more through your understanding and knowledge. And so this is what we're talking about here. When Paul spoke of the renewed mind, he was speaking of how that mind must be changed. Because you've had a radical change here in spirit, your mind must... Ex- uh except that exchange. Now, for most believers, that doesn't happen. Most believers never have that radical change in their mind. That's the reason why Paul concentrated on the mind. I think in our last uh, conference here, I spoke on uh, the psychology of Paul, and the, uh, the, the theme of it was literally that Paul's the greatest psychologist that ever lived because he is the first human being who knew what made a human being tick. He was the one that knew what made them work, what God's plan was for a human being. Not only was he the first, but he was an ardent writer of that. All his epistles bear that out of of what it took for a human being to operate. Now you haven't had the word preached to you like that, at least from this spiritual psychological viewpoint. And that's why people don't understand who they are. Is because that part of the gospel, which is the heart of the gospel, has been denied them. But the Apostle Paul saw this right off. He saw that all spiritual growth was in the mind. I don't believe you can read ten verses anywhere in Paul's epistles, but what you don't come across, these key words. They will be the words of knowledge, wisdom, understanding, understanding and revelation. Those are the four key words of spiritual growth. All spiritual growth hinges on one of these words. There is no such thing as getting a jolt of the Holy Spirit and call that spiritual growth. That may be a spiritual act, but it's not growth. Why? All spiritual growth is centered here in the mind. What are these words? All four of these words are mind words. They are spiritual mind words. All your life, before you met Jesus, your mind was under another control. It was controlled by knowledge, wisdom, understanding but the control of it was in Satan. Because he was your spirit, he had created a mind that was contrary to your creation. This whole being here is created by God to bring him honor and glory, body, soul, and spirit. But Satan perverted that. He took over from Adam, and thus all men were birthed or born with that Sin nature in them. Consequently, He's the one that made your mind contrary to your creation. I need to say a lot about that. That's not our subject, but I'd like you to think, that, think about that because the sin nature mind had developed in you something contrary to the way God created you so that all your life you have been functioning with a mind that could not carry out the principles by which you were created. All of us are created differently. All of us are created for the glory of God, to bring Him honor and glory. All of us have something we do that's different from anybody else that God ever created. No human being, two human human beings are alike. (coughs) So the end result is, when Satan possessed our mind, that was contrary to our creation, so that you were a misfit. God allowed that. God planned that. Why did God not create us perfectly? Why did he create us as misfits? Because one thing God has always wanted is love. God is love. (coughs) And love is not an emotion. Love is a choice. It's a choice. You must choose to love God. It is not natural in you. All your days, You had an unnatural love operating in you because your mind was contrary to your creation. Now, if you had received the mind of Christ the moment you were birthed by your mother and father, then you would have been perfect in your demonstration of love. In America, 53% of all marriages now are ending in divorce. This is a God thing. You have to understand my terminology. It isn't that God's doing it, but it's a God thing. Because what is at risk is love. There is no love in marriages anymore. What, what is called uh, love is not love by choice. It's love by infatuation. It's love by senses, the senses. Oh, I really love that gal. If she treats me right, if she don't treat me right, I'm going to leave her. That's not love by choice. Because a choice that's made is that I love that gal whatever she does. And that's what God is looking for. He's looking for, that's all he wanted out of Adam was somebody that loved him. So, in our world, we have these things I call God things. Uh, Divorce is a God thing, in that God is allowing that to happen to teach us that love is what's missing. True love is what's missing. And we have that in every major issue of life. Abortion is a God thing, because God's trying to bring us to see that the seed is where the life is, not even in the fetus, it's in the seed. And we haven't seen that yet, that the, once the seed is placed, that's where life is as far as God is concerned. <clears throat> and all of it, homosexuality is, is a God thing because it's people who, who uh, have no interest in finding out who they are in Christ and so they've taken an alternate lifestyle contrary to God. God says, okay, we'll let this happen. It's a thing I'm doing so that they'll come to find out who they are in Christ. And we can just take every major issue and it's like that. We had an unusual event to happen in uh, one of our groups uh, down uh, at New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, that's one of our larger groups there in the Christ life, and <clears throat> in the high, we have about, I don't know, eight or nine people in that fellowship that teach in the school system there. And uh, every time we have a camp meeting, I have to write the superintendent and tell him these nine people are expected to be at our conference because it's during the school period that takes place, anyhow. Uh, one of the high schools where one of our strong believers a good teacher of the Christ life is a lady named Afro Giles Giles Afro Giles Uh, this high school had three students that were caught smoking marijuana (coughs) and uh, the school has a rule that anybody caught with drugs is immediately expelled but the only problem is right now it's football season in the United States and the two boys were football players and stars on the team, and the girl was a cheerleader. Well, it was a horse of a different color when these three got in trouble, and they tore up the school. They didn't want the ball right during football season. They didn't want the boys to leave the, the team, and all this. And so, the, everybody divided up pro and con. So they came to Afro Giles, our one of our teachers, and said, uh, "What do you think about all this?" She said, "It's a God thing. <laughs> it's a God thing." And, of course, what she was saying is God trying to get our attention around here and he gives us impossible circumstances sometimes. Well, you know what happened? She said all the kids, good and bad, religious and non-religion, are running around that high school now hollering, it's a God thing. It's a God thing. <laughs> <laughs> so we have, we have all the events of life are God things, one way or another. When we talk about the renewal of the mind, then we're talking about the journey that must be made by the individual from the mind being used by a culprit, by a usurper, and by a devil, to giving that mind to a new operator, Christ in them. Now, if you live life and that's not a major subject, you'll never fulfill your position in life. I I dislike sometimes being so crude as I am on this. But I'm sick and disgusted with religion that's talking about everything but the things that have to do that would make people happy and make them uh, capable of living in this wicked world the way God intended. See, I'm tired of that being denied you and and getting off on every kind of subject except what really matters. What really matters now, Paul, Paul, this is why his message, why you can't read ten verses of Paul's epistles without one of these words coming up because he saw right off God's done the work at Calvary. It's no problem getting the work of the cross in your life. No problem getting saved. Anybody that cries out to God can get saved. But he said the problem is up here in the mind. Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What transformed you? Getting saved? Is that what transforms you? No. That doesn't transform you. Because if you don't know about it up here, you've got an act of God working, but you don't understand it, so it isn't going to make any difference in your life. That's why it's important to read the epistles because Paul dealt with that. He dealt with people who had a work of God in their life but didn't understand it, didn't know about it. And was constantly dealing with other matters instead of finding out who they were in Christ. So when we talk about the renewal of the mind, this is what we're talking about. This part here, which, which we refer to as the soul mind. That's what it is. Your soul is a mind. Well, now the question comes up, why must the mind be renewed? It's very obvious when you, to me, when I look at this, I can see that I've been uh, misguided. I've been misused mostly. Here, I'm somebody created by God, come out of my mother's womb with a special touch on me to bring honor and glory to God by my creation. And then somebody else took charge and control of me and messed all that up. Well, when that all got messed up, and I finally got it in my polluted head that something was wrong with me. Something's not right. What do we call that? Conviction. I didn't know all that I'm telling you, but I knew something was wrong. What I really found out was that it didn't matter how hard I worked at it, I couldn't save myself. See, I knew something was wrong. I was being misused. You can misuse a vehicle, let's say a car. You don't put oil in it. You don't, uh, you don't watch for water leaks. It, you can misuse that car and, and destroy it. Well, I discovered one time in my life I was being misused. I wasn't being taken care of properly because the operator in me had no intention of fulfilling my creation of God. So when I finally got that through to me, usually in a crisis, you need a crisis, I didn't see that I was being misused. I saw the crisis. It was an outer thing. I didn't have enough sense because the gospel hadn't been preached to me. I didn't know that I was being misused by Satan. So the crisis I was in was what drew me. And in the crisis, I said, if there is a God, help me. Please help me. I'm, I, well, I was getting to the right point because God's looking for people who can't save themselves. I needed a Savior and that's when I accepted Jesus. Now, i just like to say this to you what what really constitutes somebody getting saved it's when they can say i cannot save myself i need help see when people just evolve into it that's enough to doubt when people think they're born into christianity that's enough to doubt but people who have a genuine crisis with the holy spirit and say i cannot save myself i need a savior That's what God's looking for because that's what he gave on the cross for somebody to save us. Well, why is it that the mind must be renewed? Why did Paul call for the renewal of the mind? Let's go back and look at the history of it a little more. In our future sessions, we will talk about the specific things that need to be renewed in your mind. But at least for this session, I want to continue talking about the historical aspects. What made Paul say that the mind needed to be renewed? Is it enough to get saved? Is it enough to get a miracle? Why would you have to renew the mind and hear the message that we're not to be conformed to the world? Well, there's several reasons for that. And the first one is, Paul lived in a day when the most awesome thing that could ever happen between God and man had just taken place. He lived in the shadow of the most unbelievable thing that could happen on earth. Here God had sent His own Son, God the Son, to this earth. Miraculously brought him to this earth. Miraculously ministered through him in his earthly ministry. Healed the sick, raised the dead, cast out devils. Gloriously, God had given the world an opportunity for salvation. But the unbelievable thing was that Jesus, born a Jew, came to the Jews, and the Jews would not receive him. It didn't matter how many miracles he performed, they weren't going to receive him. And finally, God knew that there must be a radical change on this earth. Not a change in his plan, for he already had this in his plan. But the radical change on this earth would be that God would take this one who was Messiah, who was king, and would kill him. The prophecy of this was when Abraham took Isaac to Moriah. It was Abraham to kill Moriah. It was God to kill his own son. This was awesome. The world had been offered a new world altogether. You have any feeling for that? Maybe you don't read your Bible like I do. Jesus had come to be king, king of this world. He had come to be Israel's Messiah. If Israel had accepted Jesus, he would have set up a throne in Jerusalem right then and there, and the millennium would have begun. There would have been a new world, everything would have been changed. But they rejected the Messiah. And the other part of Christ's ministry about tribulation and end time came into focus. But before that, he told them to preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here right now. Believe it. If you believe it, we'll have it. They didn't believe it, and they didn't get it. But do you have any feeling for how awesome that was? That's going to happen again. You and I will not be here. We're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. But this world's going to experience that again. Same thing, a king's going to come to take over this world <coughs> and instead of the world rejecting him, they're going to accept him. They're going to accept it, and he's going to give them a new world for about three and a half years and then awesome things are going to happen. But they rejected Jesus. There could have been a new world. Sometimes I have a feeling for Peter and James who were the most obstinate probably in dealing with the Apostle Paul Because for three and a half years, they got a mindset, it's going to be a new world. You're going to rule and reign. You're going to sit on thrones. You're going to judge the whole world. And the prophecy was that had the Jews accepted the Messiah, all the Gentile nations, uh, Genesis 12 and 3, all the Gentile nations would come unto Israel and the world would be new. So you can understand their feelings. You can understand how all of a sudden, When Jesus said, I'm going to die, Peter got so upset, I have a bit of feeling for him there. Because he had literally been brainwashed, let's say, to believe in the new world was at hand, the, uh, the Messiah is here. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, was Peter's testimony. And then for Jesus to say, I'm going to die, Peter couldn't take it. That's the kind of world Paul came into. There was a little handful of believers that met on the day of Pentecost in the early churches. we know it began. But the rest of the Judaistic world <clears throat> was still in the turmoil that they said we could have had a new world. We didn't get it. He, he was killed instead. That's how the people, the lay people way down on the other end thought. So right in the midst of this, God gave Paul the revelation that Christ had come back to this earth in another form. He had come back to live in men. Really live in men. Now there was nowhere in the promise that he was to be Jesus of Nazareth, and that's what throws a lot of people, especially our theologians. They say, Well, if Jesus come back to live in men, why aren't you raising the dead and healing the sick? That wasn't in the promise. Accordingly as he has chosen us in Christ, that we might be holy and above blame before God. Not to the world. The believer was not raised up and born again to be something to the world. We were God's offsprings and as his offspring we belong to him. That's different you see. But we've got Christianity all confused now that Christians have changed the world. That's not our mission. Our mission is to our father only. The same one who said I can do nothing except I see my father do it and the one who said "Uh, my father is my life is the same one that lives in us. So, Our our mission is not the same at all. And when the church takes on the mission of trying to change this world, it's out of order. I know, I tried it one time. We're out of order. Don't get mixed up in it because that isn't God's plan at all. God's plan is that Christ lives in you and you'll overcome by that. And if you don't, you're better off you're with the Father where you belong. Why is it then that Paul taught the mind must be renewed? It's because he lived in a world that had been shattered. Judaism had believed there would be a kingdom on this earth. That kingdom was now set aside. They would never see it in their day. He lived in a world that had killed the Son of God. God had allowed that to happen at Gogotha. The mind must be renewed, Paul said, because the Jews have rejected their Messiah. And now God is doing a new and a greater thing. He's bringing Christ back to a people who will accept him. The born again accepted him as their life. We never accept Jesus as our Messiah. You understand that? Just a little play on ideas. But the born again have no Messiah. We have a Savior. We're different. We're not like Israel looking for somebody to come and save us on this earth. We have been rebirthed and belong in the Father's house. So he's not our Messiah. Though he is Messiah, he's not our Messiah. So don't misquote me on that. He's not even our king. He's king of kings and lord of lords, but that's an earthly thing. He's already king of kings and lord of lords on the throne with the Father, but he's not my king. He's my Savior. So these facts, you get them in your mind, uh, then you're beginning to understand what is the gospel, what are called the true gospel. So the mind must be renewed because the Jews had rejected the kingdom, they had rejected the kingdom. Jesus had prophesied something like this would happen because one day he said, the kingdom of God will be in you. It's in you. Well, that's the way it is tonight. Somebody says, you believe the kingdom message? Yep, send me. You believe God's going to bring about the kingdom message? He's already done it. You believe the king will rule on this earth? No, he'll rule in my heart. See, the kingdom is within us now because for the born again there is no earthly kingdom we'll get back to that later so the jews rejected the kingdom and that required a mind change the earth was no longer to be the place where god would carry out his plan for israel that was set aside that's hard on you to see this and understand it but did you open your bible to acts 28 That could do you some good there, if you want good done to you. In Acts 28, begin reading at verse 25. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed. After that, Paul had spoken one word. Well, spake the Holy Spirit by Zaias the prophet unto our fathers, saying, Go unto this people and say, Hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand. Now listen to these words. This is what uh, was taking place at this very time. Seeing ye shall see and not perceive. What's the difference in these statements? One is the outer and the inner. The outer will not be convincing. You'll see it, but you won't believe it. You'll see it, but you'll not perceive it. He's talking to Israel specifically here. Verse 27, For the heart of this people, heart of Israel, is wax gross. Their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. Be it known therefore unto you that salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles and they will hear it. Now the 28th verse is a key verse in the whole of God's plan. What he's saying here is so important. He's saying, Israel, you've had a chance to accept the Messiah. You've had a chance to change the world. You didn't do it. But you like the outer things. You love the signs, wonders, and miracles. That's a God thing. God performs miracles. I hope you don't think, listen to me, that I don't believe in them. I believe in miracles. I believe in the healing of the body. I, my family trusts God for healing for anything else. That he does it all by himself. He don't want to do it by himself, then he'll lead us to a good doctor or a hospital. it will be God that heals. He's in charge. But he's the healer. I'm a strong believer in that. But what he said here is, that just in case the Lord keeps giving you outer things like signs, wonders, and miracles and just in case you would believe that the Messiah is still at hand and you get converted converted to what? To the message of Judaism just in case that would happen he said I'm telling you right now that message is stopped. It no longer is in existence for you That gospel that Jesus of Nazareth preached, the gospel of the kingdom, is set aside. And now the gospel will go to the Gentiles. Well, do you understand something about that? The gospel that goes to the Gentiles is a whole different gospel. Nothing like it in the scriptures. You have to go back before Abraham to find God even talking to a Gentile. No message for the Gentiles. In three-fourths of the Bible, no message for the Gentiles. 1,700 years of the Bible, no message for the Gentiles. And now listen to what Paul says. He says, Israel has rejected the Messiah, and just in case they keep on believing in the Messiah and should get some miracles and think they're converted, I'm making the announcement that gospel now no longer exists. The gospel goes to the Gentiles. What happened to that gospel called the kingdom message? It's set aside. It still exists, but it didn't exist for them anymore. It's still there. It's going to be picked up. It'll be picked up in the middle of the tribulation period. And that gospel will go back into effect along with everything Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the whole gang of Israelites believe. They will begin practicing again. The Antichrist won't like it and so he will kill about half of Israel. But the other half's going to win the world for Christ. So don't worry about the world getting saved. God has ominous things in store. Just keep in mind, we're a different people. When the gospel went to the Gentiles, it was a different gospel that had nothing said about it anywhere in the Old Testament. It was a great mystery, and the mystery was Christ in you, the hope of glory. Well, why did Paul say that the mind needed to be. Re- renewed then is because he preached to a great group of people who still had a mindset on all these things that was happening. Can you imagine what happened? Paul went to, to a synagogue somewhere uh, uh, or a, a Christian gathering in a home or wherever he went uh, and setting in that audience were for people who had followed Jesus of Nazareth. Some of them had been there when he broke the loaves and fishes. Some of them had been at Bethany when he raised Lazarus from the dead. Can you think of a crowd like that now? Here they sit. There were some like that. They were the old timers you couldn't tell anything to about. Think that, brother. That's the way it is. There they were. There was a new group there. There was some there that uh, uh, said, Oh, I was there on the day of Pentecost. You should have seen the cloven tongues of fire and that building was shaken. It was shaken. I was there when it shook. He's preaching to them. There were some there that said, dear friends, my loved ones gave their life for the establishment of this young Christian church. They were among the martyrs. They were sitting in the audience. What kind of audience he had? I have the same kind today. What is he going to tell them? What could he say? Here's a man who never knew Jesus, never saw Jesus in the flesh, never knew him, but knew him in the spirit of his life. What is he going to say to them? His number one message in all his epistles had to do with the soul mind. He couldn't say, I saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. He couldn't say, I was there on the day of Pentecost. He couldn't say that I've been there helping to start the early Christian church. In fact, he could say, I tried to destroy it. What could he say to them? He had to say to them, that's past. That's set aside. Every bit of that set aside. Now he said, I want you to get your minds renewed to something God's doing. You think that was an easy task? You try it today in some of my crowds. I got folks that were at Azusa Street. I got folks that was at Topeka. I got folks that was at the early outpouring and the regular outpouring and the latter outpouring and the, the new outpouring. I got people from Toronto. I got people from Florida, all these moves. I got people there, and you couldn't tell them a thing. So I'm not to change them. Our mission is not to change people. In the past, we've seen great, wonderful, and powerful things. But now we must get to the fact of the gospel. And the fact of the gospel is that all that's set aside. It's a whole new world. Jesus of Nazareth doesn't matter. He was rejected. There is no Jesus of Nazareth left for this world. The one who sits on the throne is the Lord of glory. He is Lord. He's not Jesus of Nazareth. He'll be Jesus of Nazareth one more time though, but not for you and I. He'll be Jesus of Nazareth on that day after the old Antichrist is put down and he sets a foot on the Mount of Olives. And with outstretched hands, Israel comes and sees the Jesus they rejected. For the scripture said they'll see the nails in his hands. They'll see the brow. They'll see what they did. They'll see him. But that Jesus does not belong to us. That's not the Jesus we're to know. We're to know the Christ that is in us. For he's the Lord of glory. Same one died for us too. But that's not the Jesus we know. We'll get back to that in another session. So what was it? The mind must be renewed. When I talk to people, that's the big need you have. The mind must be renewed. You see, there's nothing wrong with you. There never has been anything wrong with you. You were created by God in your mother's womb. I don't care if you came out afflicted. Or if you had some severe problem, you were created by God in the mother's womb and God intended you to be a blessing to him. Have you ever seen afflicted people be a blessing to God? Sure you have. Some of them are further ahead than we are at that understanding. But everyone that came out of a mother's womb was touched by God to be different than anybody else that was ever birthed. That's the way you came out. But then God allowed the old usurper to take you over. And he spoiled you until you were born again. Then he's out. But if you didn't get a change in your mind, there'll be no change in your living. Oh, you won't do bad anymore, but that's not where the issue is. I'm not saved because I do good. I'm not saved because I stopped doing bad things. I'm saved by another and what he did. That's different, you see. So now my issue is to renew the mind. So the first important fact is Paul crawled for this because in his day there was a great need for a mind change. I believe that day is at hand again right now. (coughs) I think in our generation we've had the kingdom preached again. Have you ever heard a charismatic preacher say we're going to take over the world, the church is going to rule and reign? You ever heard that message? That's the kingdom message. That's the revived message that Paul said we'll set aside and belonged only to Israel. Now, the mind must be renewed in this day.
0: This particular study is called Renewing the Mind. This has been part three that we've been listening to today. Please tell others about this podcast every week. These messages are so important that Warren left us, so so very important, uh, especially this time. A lot going on in this world, and these things, these great, great messages that come from Warren Litzman, can be so wonderful for you to hear at this moment in time. Don't forget to visit our website. It's christ-life.org. Christ-life.org. Love to have you go there, look around, learn all about this in-Christ message, this Christ-life that we love so much, and also visit our bookstore while you're there. Well, we'd like to thank Robbie Litzman for allowing us to go into the archives each week to bring you these great messages. Valerie Hill does our Twitter account. Tammy Laycock, she does the weekly podcast notes. And this program is produced weekly by the wonderful Teresa Ferraro from the Christ Life Fellowship. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ Life.